Hey there, fellow travelers of the Junlin Wastes. Mark back here again for the Traveling the Junlin Wastes podcast, the TJW podcast for November 20th, 2023. We are on the cusp of the holiday season here uh, in the southeastern Massachusetts area, as well as across the United States and maybe in some parts across the world. Everybody's getting ready for their winter holiday uh, spectaculars. Uh, And here in the United States, we're going to kick it off this week here with uh, Turkey Day this coming Thursday. Great day to hang out with friends and family. Uh, Good time to get some good food, some good drink. And uh, it's also the time of the year that we start, uh, you know, buying all sorts of uh, goodies and stuff for friends and family, as well as starting to put together our lists of what we want to have as as holiday uh, gifts as well, too. Certainly, there's going to be some uh, Star Wars swag on, on, on my lists, but, uh, you know, as, when, when I get them in and I can start talking about them, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely let you guys know here on, on the podcast what I got. But for now, what we're going to be doing is talking about, we're continuing our, our, our journey into the Star Wars NPR radio dramas. And let's talk now about episode three of A New Hope here. Uh, this episode was called Black Knight, White Princess, and Pawns. Uh, This episode opens up with the introduction of some of the most important characters of the series. And who are they? C-3PO and R2-D2, our favorite droids in the uh, Star Wars universe. You know, George Lucas had said before that Star Wars is, you know, really in some ways the the droids tale. Or at least the story perspective is from the droids, you know, who witnessed these, these events. Um, you know, if we were, but you know, I mean, really, if we bring this all through to the way into today, uh, we do see that these droids, R2D2 and C3PO, are still, are C3PO are still, you know, you know, existing and uh, are part of the events right up and through the rise of Skywalker. Uh, and we even see them. We even see them taking part in uh, the Disney Plus series, like The Mandalorian and Ahsoka. So uh, it, 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 I think it is, in one sense, still following uh, George's vision that uh, you know these these stories. A lot of them, if depending on how you look at it, are from the perspective of uh, of, of these droids. So that's an interesting aspect about it as well, too. Uh, if there is one voice that I think is unable to be replaced, it is Anthony Daniels' voice when it comes to uh, C-3PO. And, you know, as, as I'm talking about Anthony Daniels here, gosh, you know, we I met him two summers ago at Fan Expo Boston. Really, such a wonderful, wonderful person to, to, to be able to chat with and to get a few moments of time with to, to talk about, you know, Star Wars and, and what he enjoyed about it and what I enjoyed about it. Uh, it was it was great getting his autograph. I have my autograph on a uh, on that Life magazine that came out uh, last two years ago or so. It was like a it was with with George Lucas and and Anthony Daniels on the cover. A, a photo from when they were filming out there on the uh, the sands of Tatooine uh, in Episode Four. Uh, it was great to meet him, and he got talk about such a, a sweet fella. You know, I I mentioned to him that I had read his book. And he asked me if I had uh, if I had listened to the audiobook, and I said no, I I, I, I haven't. I said I, I read it though. And so what does he do? He goes over, he takes one of the audiobooks that he was selling, and he was and he, that he had signed, and hands it off to my son and says, "Here, here's a gift for you." And uh, my son was just uh, tickled pink by this. He was uh, he, he it was his you know this was his like uh, first time he got an autograph for free. From, from a huge celebrity like uh, Anthony Daniels, who was part of the Star Wars universe. So it's a, it's a special part of my, my son's collection, and uh, it, it, he has warm feelings for, 
for uh, Anthony Daniels knowing that uh, C-3PO gave him a gift, <laughs> you know, two years ago, and he really enjoys that. But getting back to to, to the voice of Anthony Daniels, no, he he is he is prevalent in all of these episodes, including the ones in Empire Strikes Back and uh, Return of the Jedi. And I'm, I'm talking about the radio dramas now. If there is one voice that I think is really unable to be replaced, I think it is Anthony Daniels' voice when it comes to C-3PO. Um, you'll notice that we have a lot of voices, you know, Han and Leia, and later on in, in The Return of the Jedi, NPR radio drums, we see uh, Luke's uh, voice has been replaced with a, or I should say not Luke's voice, but, but the voice actor. Mark Hamill's not doing the voice acting in, in Return of the Jedi for the NPR radio dramas. It's another uh, voice actor. But uh, Anthony Daniels lasts through this entire uh, NPR radio drama series. Um, you know, in the past, you know, back in the early days, they had, they were, they used to sell these uh, record and cassettes along with the storybooks that you'd put on the record and you follow along the story and you would turn the page when you heard the beep. But um, he never had any of the real voice actors work on those projects. And and one of the voices which always struck me as really weird was when they would have somebody else play C three PO. Um, to me, it was always a very a tough thing to, a very tough task to try to match how Anthony Daniels sounds without sounding too, 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 too silly in doing it. And everybody gets that overly, as, as Anthony Daniels said, and I think in one of the documentaries, you know, this over-the-top British butler type of a, of, of a way of going about um, his, the voice for C-3PO. And I think when other, other people try to do it, it comes off a little bit cheesy. It doesn't really, it sounds a little bit silly. So uh, I'm really happy that for this entire uh, NPR radio drama that uh, they were able to keep Anthony Daniels as the voice of C-3PO. So that was that was fun. Um, Anthony Daniels also, he comes into this role as well. I and mean, like I said, he he's just like Mark Hamill in the sense that he adds such a richness to this radio drama. And it's one of those sounds. I mean, the voice that the actor's voices are, are are sounds that we listen to, not only in the movie, but also here in the in the radio drama. And uh, being able to have Anthony Daniels and Mark Hamill together, uh, you know, for 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 this uh, radio drama when they had their opportunities to, to act together, that was uh, that was a real treat. Uh, as the title of the episode implies, you know, there are pawns. Uh, but the question is, who are the pawns in all this? I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at it. I mean, maybe it's the droids. Maybe it's the Antilles in this. Um, there's, there's different ways I think you can look about to see who they are talking about in regards to the pawns here. Um, a lot of fun banter goes on between uh, C-3PO at the beginning with the uh, labor pool overseer, who seems to be this crotchety old guy, who uh, or or whatever this this fellow who who's in charge of, of the droids of putting them to work, and uh, you know C-3PO bemoans how he used to have duties as a protocol droid, but since then he's been doing some very boring grudge work, and it sounds like he started working with R2D2, but doesn't remember much from the prior to the prequels, uh, as Bill. Organa, as we remember, had his uh, memory erased in order to protect the identities of baby Luke and, and baby Leia at the time. Um, we learned that C-3PO and uh, R2-D2 are going to be put on special work detail. And the special work detail involves an astro droid and an interpreter droid. And they're supposed to rep report to Captain Antilles for a special assignment. Captain Antilles, as we know, we met him in the previous NPR radio drama episode there as he was... Uh, 
on the ship with uh with with Leia that landed on Raltier and he had to get her back to Alderaan and we learned at the end of the episode that uh to go on this mission that uh to 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 pick up that to pick up those plans for the Death Star to pick up uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and get him back to Alderaan, it, it was, it, he, she took the royal ship, but but uh, her father, Bail Organa, insisted that uh, she take uh, Captain Antilles uh, with them. So that's where we are with this. As the droids, uh, you know, we arrive, uh, we hear, you know, there's a conversation, you know, going on, and we hear about an unscheduled diversion while in hyperspace. So this unscheduled stop, I suppose, is supposed to be the rendezvous with the rebel spies who have those uh, Death Star plans. Antilles is is pretty nervous about this plan, and he tells Leia that he feels that this plan is really dangerous. They could be boarded. They could be arrested for entering into this restricted zone that they're in right now. So in the meantime, to try to play a little bit of a trick on the uh, on on the Imperials uh, here in this restricted zone. Uh, Leia sends R2-D2 to go outside the ship and to make like he is making a repair on the ship. Sort of using that as the ruse for this entire situation. Their ship got a little bit damaged and they need the R2 unit to, uh, to, to fix it. Then they'll go back into hyperspace and get out of restricted space. Um, during this time as well, too, uh, Antilles uh, programs the droids with instructions to obey Leia's commands no matter what. This is a you know, life and death situation, and the droids have to be able to, without questioning, be able to follow Leia's commands as she, as she gives them. Uh, while making like he is repairing the ship, R2-D2 uh, intercepts the radio signal that has the plans. C-3PO interprets for Leia and Antilles, uh, but we also learned that R2-D2 starts getting probed by the Imperials who have instructed them to prepare for a boarding inspection and Antilles does his best to try to hold them off. Uh, finally, the plans are downloaded. They have it in their little thumb drive. It was downloaded. They'll just pull it out of R2 as a USB drive. <laughs> Insert, I guess. Uh, R2-D2 gets back in the ship. They jump off into hyperspace with the hopes that they were able to escape without being trailed or identified by the uh, Imperial Star Destroyer Devastator. The destroyer does fire on them before they, they head off into hyperspace, but the hope is, is that they were able to do it quickly enough that they are not going to be able to be followed. Um, the scene is obviously different from the story of how the Rebellion gets the Death Star plans, as we know uh, canonically now in Rogue One. Uh, the radio signal they mention in the radio drama certainly sounds antiquated for, <laughs> for today's speed of light transfers. Uh, it's not like you're doing like you know a a download of uh, of data from from Google Drive. Uh, it seems to take much longer in in this uh, in this series here, but you know that's also drama as well too. Uh, what fun would have been if it was like you know a quick uh, download of a zip drive or something, and and that was it. Uh, this is the first time that Leia, as well too, has 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 met these droids, uh, and interestingly, they serve her the same way as they did uh, for for Padme. You know, back in the back in the prequels, R two and C three PO both had duties with uh, with Padme Amidala, and uh, un unbeknownst to Leia, obviously at this time, is that these same droids are also serving her, which is an interesting like you know coming full circle. The mechanical sound effects in this episode add so much to this episode. You hear the droids, ship sounds, radio signals. Uh, you're getting a full feel of what it's supposed to be like there on Leia's ship. So I think they did a really good job of that. 
Uh, Leia tells Antilles that they have to get to Tatooine to get a special, a, a special guest that they will bring back to to Alderaan along with the Death Star plans. From there, they can start figuring out a way to stop the Empire from doing what uh, they're they're anticipating their the the Empire to be doing, which is destroying planets. Uh, when they come out of hyperspace, they discover they discover that the Star Destroyer has been able to track them, uh, but they don't know how. Um, Later on, Antilles talks about possibility of maybe a spy was on board who who may have tracked uh, who 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 might have tracked uh, you know tracked it or was able to give the Empire the ability to track them, or as I'm thinking, maybe this is the uh, same tracking technology that is mentioned in the Last Jedi. If you remember in that movie, talks about how they're able to uh, track a ship even in, even through hyperspace. Um, obviously, not something known at the time that this was written back in like 1980, 81. But it's still an interesting piece of information that uh, you could probably that, that I find that you can connect to uh, to, to the sequels here. Um, the Imperials disable the ship. You know they pull. You know they they got out of hyperspace, but they find out that the that the Imperials have followed them. They disable the ship, and they're going to get pulled into what they call the dorsal boarding lock, which is I think this is where we we start to come together with the movie a little bit here with that uh, opening scene there with. With uh, you know the, the the large you know star destroyer coming over chasing Leia's ship at the beginning of uh, A New Hope, Leia knows that the situation is pretty much hopeless by this time, and she says that she needs to send the droids to the surface of Tatooine to the planet there. Um, it's interesting how Antilles gives us more detail about the damage to the ship and how he still arms these uh, troops in the ship even though he knows they are doomed. He talks about how the Imperial forces, they, are armored, they have armored soldiers, uh, better weapons than they have, and this is basically has turned into almost to a suicide mission. Um, the only thing that they can do right now is hopefully get the droids off the ship, get them down to the surface of the planet, and hopefully not not, you know, give away everything that they know um, to the Imperials who are about to board the ship. Antilles agrees to the sending of the of the droids to the plant service, even though it seems to be like a hopeless situation. He starts jettisoning other escape pods in the hopes that the droids won't be detected. Uh, the music and sound effects as reports are coming in about the, about the stormtroopers getting into the ship is really intense. Nice use of the John Williams score as well. A uh, lot of severe losses on Antilles ship, as we know from from seeing it not only uh, in the movie but hearing it all here on on the radio drama. Uh, you hear, you know, the, the the firefight breaking out, the stormtroopers breaking in. You hear the uh, you know Antilles troops being being gunned down and being shot and, and screaming in pain. Um, you know, this is this is a radio drama. They 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 they're trying to bring this to life here for us in our heads. Um, but but in some 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 places here, it's 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 even rough for a radio drama here to hear uh, all the loss that Attilly's uh, soldiers are are getting. Um, Vader enters the the ship finally, and uh, the Imperial, or I should say, before that, um, the Imperial officers capture Antilles. They capture Antilles and they beat him up. Uh, you hear him getting punched. You hear him getting hit. Uh, and Antilles is not telling him anything. Finally, Vader does show up. And this is the part also which matches into the uh, movie as well, too, where we see Vader has Antilles 
uh, you know, in that scene where he's holding him up by the throat, literally with his arm, lifting him up off the ground and holding him by the throat. And finally, when he's done with him, he throws him against the uh, against the, uh, the the wall there in the movie. Um, a little bit more dialogue. Like I said, this is a radio drama, so you're going to definitely get a little bit more description, more sound effects, and a whole lot of other stuff when uh, Vader approaches uh, Antilles. You hear Antilles just grabbing him by the throat, and you hear him strangling him. Uh, the dialogue here is extended, like I said. Uh, and as, as he keeps asking Antilles where are the plans, Antilles is not telling him, and you can hear Vader starting to clench his fist, and he says as he's doing this in, in very chilling fashion, your life is in my hands, Captain, and he literally means that. He has literally Antilles by the throat. Um, he refuses to speak, and then you hear, oh gosh, the awful crushing hands of, or I should say, Vader's hands crushing the neck and throat of Antilles. You hear the the, the bones cracking and 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 almost like the death throes from his from from his inability to to get any air and or to scream. And then uh, he dies at Vader's hands. You hear the big clump, which means either he he just didn't it just drop, but Vader tossed him against the wall like he did uh, in in the movie. And uh, Vader has an interesting line after that. He says, a stubborn insect, a death without meaning. Uh, as the movie, you know, he, 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 he asked the ship, as in the movie, he asked the ship to be torn apart and that the ambassador of the ship be brought to him. Leia sends R2 on his mission to go get Kenobi and she makes her famous, you know, right before she, he, they get sent off onto, on, on, that, uh, on that escape pod, uh, she does her famous Help Me Obi-Wan Kenobi speech, which was fun to sit to, to hear again. Um, it is one of those iconic, iconic moments in, a, in, in the Star Wars story where, you know, Leia sends that message. You know, such an iconic message that, you know, it, it, it ends up in, in the normative, like, you know, pop culture these days. As Help Me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Uh, even to the point where we see that uh, speech being played again in The Last Jedi when R2 is trying to convince Luke to come back and, and to leave his, uh, leave his exile and to come back and help fight for the Resistance. Uh, R2 gets into the pod, C-3PO follows him, they fly down to the surface. Um, funny thing, not really funny, but I guess like an like interesting way of going about it. She, she says in such a loving manner, right before R2 is about to go, she goes, good luck, little droid. Uh, sort of reminds me of young Leia in the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series and her relationship with Lola and her encounter with Ned. Uh, she always seems to be caring for all and respects all life, including droids, which she sees, I believe, as, as life and that she, you have to give you know, proper respect there to, to them because they, in her, and, you know, they are living creatures in a sense. So just as, you know, and, and, and she's kind to the droids, as you always see, and she's doing the same thing here with R2 and C-3PO. Um, and and we, we see that even following through in the movie when, uh, you know, the, the relationship that Luke has with R2-D2, and, and, and Luke, for Luke, that's his friend. Um, C-3PO has a funny line in this one, they blast off, uh, and, and they, they hit the, the, the thrusters to bring him down to the planet and, and C-3P goes, you, you, you defective! And it's one of those lines which we didn't hear in the movie, but it was fun to hear Anthony Daniels, you know, uh, getting all upset and all frustrated with, uh, with R2-D2 at this time. 
Uh, he goes step by step as they fire down to uh, to the plant surface, talking about how R2's taking the controls. He fires the thrusters, and they're flying off on that uh, escape pod to Tatooine. Vader finally encounters Leia, and they have their famous conversation, which ends with Leia denying everything and Vader telling his troops to take her away. Although in the radio drama, if you take a listen to this, you know, he says it in a much more controlled manner. Uh, the way that uh, James Earl Jones said it in the movie, it was, TAKE HER AWAY! And in uh, the radio drama, it's almost like, you know, oh, you're not going to talk? Fine. Take her away, we'll deal with, we'll deal with her later. Which is, like I said, it was a more controlled uh, fashion. You know, no, nothing wrong with it. Uh, I do prefer the way James Earl Jones did that line uh, in a much more angered way. But uh, it still, I think, works okay here for the radio drama. Um, I always wondered in retrospect how Vader was not able to sense that Leia was his daughter. Um, the Imperial officers, you know, they warned, they, they warned that, that holding her could generate sympathy for the Rebellion in the Senate, but Vader insists that she is the link to the Rebellion, and his officers need to cover up the attack on her ship and for the Senate that everybody on the ship was killed in a mishap. So uh, the official the official line is is that you know they, they found the ship everybody was you know there was a mishap and everybody who was on the on Leia's ship is is gone. Interesting in how Vader wonders why she came to Tatooine. Uh, perhaps if this radio drama were redone like today, they would uh, consider the full scope of Anakin having grown up on Tatooine. And Vader having some other response to being back to here to 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 incense like his homeworld. Vader suspects that one of the pods has the plans, and we finally catch up like to 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 the real point in the beginning of Episode Four, in those first few moments when Vader get goes through the ship, captures Leia, and the droids are sent down to the surface of the planet. Uh, some additional thoughts about this episode here. Um, like, like all these episodes, we, we have a narrator that, that opens and closes the episode. Definitely adds some drama to the drama. And it's great to, you know, those opening and closings, uh, you know, really get you, uh, excited for the next episode coming up. It's great to see how they close the show here, uh, fully with the closing theme along with, with, with the credits. And that's always a, a fun thing to listen to. I never find myself shutting off the, or getting to the next story before I hear the final, you know, notes in, in the John Williams, like, you know, Star Wars finale theme. Um, it was, you know, even with the extra one or two, three minutes of only the soundtrack, you find yourself still sitting there listening to it. And I think uh, it's, it's, it's fun to be able to do that. Um, it was good to hear uh, Vader being Vader. Pretty brutal and to Antilles and in some ways more intense than the movie. Uh, like I said before, you hear the vertebrae cracking, you hear the neck, you know, crunching, his body dropping. Um, it's, it's, it, you definitely have something to add to your imagination when you hear all these sounds and the dialogue and, and the music at the same time. Uh, great to have the droids, saying like I said, show up here. Uh, and I think Anthony Daniels' dialogue as C-3PO is done very, very well. Uh, for, for a radio drama, I think you need to be able to add some extra description to fill out the scenes as best you can. But, uh, you know, Brian Daly, who, who, who wrote the script for this, and John Madden, who directed it, um, they do such a great job of framing these dialogues in a way that you aren't thinking 
why does he keep thinking out loud? Or why does... Because <laughs> in real life, we don't sit here and start talking about, like, you know, what's going on. And, oh, today I want to go get an ice cream at uh, Crescent Ridge. So I'm going to take my wallet, put it in my pocket, and go and, and order a peanut butter cup, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you can't do that when you're doing a, uh, a, a radio drama. You have to be able to, uh, to, to, to make it in a more... I would I, I would say a, a a more you know flowing way or or in not not such in your face the being told what what what's happening, but the way that they they they, they frame the dialogue and the way that the the, the scenes are framed, um, you don't really think about that at all. So um, those are just some of my thoughts about episode three, Black Knight, White Princess and Pawns, and I think you know to to, to close out with we're talking about the pawns here. It could be the droids, it could be Antilles, it could be everyone on that ship. Um, or even it could be some of the Imperial officers. Um, there are pawns below each of these uh, characters, but you know, who, who, are, who fall under uh, you know, Vader's command or under um, falling under you know, Leia's mission of, of trying to save the universe. Unfortunately, there are pawns in a time of war, in a time of uh, battle. You know, there are pawns who fall, and uh, that's just how it is. Uh, and that just is, like I said, it's part of the drama here in this NPR radio drama that I think plays out uh, really, really, really well. The next episode that I'll be talking about is episode four here, and it's called While Giants Mark Time. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I hope everybody's having a wonderful Monday today. If you have any thoughts about the Star Wars radio drama, about this episode episode specifically, or any of the ones that we've even spoken about, send me a message on the Facebook page of the Traveling the Junlin Waste podcast. I'd love to hear what some of your thoughts are. And uh, I hope to have another one. Like I said, you know, I'm hoping to pack some in here, so pack some more episodes prior to uh, Turkey Day on Thursday. So uh, keep those keep those podcatchers open, and uh, hopefully we will uh, we will chat again soon. Have a good day, everyone, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.